Welcome everyone. Welcome back to Live Bullions from your commercial break. Uh, I am Alex, as always, joined by Costa. I'm back. How's it going? He's back. He's risen from the COVID depths. <laughs> the How are you feeling, Costa? Yeah, not too bad. Could be better. Yeah. 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 Yeah, what can you do? Um, and we are lucky to be joined by a uh, elusive figure in the Adelaide game dev community. I've met him a few times at events, uh, known as Blue Two Days, also known as Leo Chung from Paper Cactus Games. Leo, welcome. Hi, guys. Um, it's wonderful to be here. Am I actually that elusive? I've had that comment once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I don't know, you, you're already, I have seen you at a few of the um, Unwind events, and, we, and we've definitely chatted, um, but every time I see you, I'm always like, oh, hey man, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I don't know why. No. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, it's like you're, like, cause you, as we'll get into, you're definitely doing a lot, but it's um, like you're not loud about it, you're not assuming, you're just, just there to chill and just to hang out, which is awesome. Oh, I mean, Good like- energy. It's the whole idea I'm just meant to learn from everyone else, taking what I can steal as much as I can and keep all my secrets to myself, you know? <laughs> no. Uh, someone just told me that recently. Good artist uh, still. Yeah. Someone who wanted it. Yeah, great artist still. Someone great who wanted artist. to rip off this podcast. Good artist copy, great artist still. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's like... Yeah. I, I think stealing is the biggest form of appreciation as long as you reference appropriately <laughs> and you don't steal a hundred percent like you take mm, that's the key one mm. that's the key one i was um i wrote a lecture about this recently about how you know the the merits of um concepting and referencing and mood boarding saying like every idea you've ever thought of has pretty much been done so combine those <laughs> ideas together and then you got something new yeah absolutely i mean it, it's hard to be original these days, especially mm. especially with the internet. You've probably accidentally seen something somewhere and forgotten mm-hmm. about it, and then it just resurfaces in that instance. Like, that's what I want to do. And it's always fun finding st- stuff that's really similar to what you've done. Yeah. They say everything's a remix. Exactly. <laughs> and, if you're, and if you wore it the first time around, you're too old to wear it the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I wasn't even born with the clothes I wore the first time around, so <laughs> I'm good. Um, yeah, so firstly, congratulations on your successful Indiegogo Thank campaign. You. Um, um, I, yeah. yeah. You go. <laughs> I was saying at the time of us recording this, it's, it's just closed and you, yeah. you went well over the, the funding amount. Absolutely. Yeah, we did well enough. Um, again, this was a setting book for my original... Um, Parsling's rulebook, which was released back in, I think, 2019. I'm mm-hmm. actually not sure. It, it was a while ago. Um, so actually, it was 2019. It was I did 20, my research. Okay, okay, 20, 2019. <laughs> so it's been a long time coming. Um, we couldn't do anything until April this year because due to shipping in and COVID. The books essentially took almost a year and a bit to get out to people. So some people only just got their books um, from the original campaign, which is always helpful when you're trying to build a bigger base, you know? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I- and for those who don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about um, Paper Cactus's game, Parcelings. It's a... What would you describe? It's a, it's a RPG, tabletop, yeah. deck-building, roguelike. I think you've got... 
oh, not the roguelike part, but you've got all the other terms correct. Um, so it's a deck building tabletop RPG with a focus on collaborative word magic. So that's it. Um, the idea is that you play as these individuals known as parslings, and they've been affected by a magical parasite known as a parasite because I'm very creative with my naming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but these parasites um, give whoever they infect um, these tattoos that represent who people are like how people see them what their identity is so when you look on the street you think about people you think about strangers in many different ways you think of them short tall um, they're dressed in blue they could be a doctor they could be um, working in retail and use all these words to identify them and what the parasite does is it makes these tattoos form on the surface of someone's body and now alone these tattoos don't really do that much but when you bring them together with other people's tattoos, you can make magic happen. So, what does the phrase cold shoulder mean to you guys? Cold shoulder. Giving someone the cold shoulder. Hmm. It's uh, when I message Costa and he doesn't ever reply. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we had a parsing with the word cold because they're a frigid person. And a shoulder because they go to the gym a lot because they've got really massive shoulders, you can make the paws of cold shoulder and make someone ignore someone else. Mm. Alternatively, you can make someone's shoulders literally cold or you could help them shoulder the cold better so be able to be a bit more cold resistant. So Mm. a lot of the magic is all contextual and is all about how you see words and how you put them together with other people's words. So, so is there is there like a limited set of when I say limited I'm sure there's a huge limit but like is it pre-made keywords or is it people choose their own people choose their own so it's a very free form ma- uh, magic and it means that every table is going to have a very different experience because people understand words differently mm, that's, that's really cool what what's the what's the um, strangest or oh, the strangest. Uh, most unexpected uh, word combination you've found from from playing? Oh, something you just didn't expect. The word poop. <laughs> you didn't expect the word poop. Well, I mean, do you really describe someone as poop? I mean, you can, oh. you can, you know, a shithead. But um, actually, am <laughs> yeah, I allowed to swear cool. on this or? Yeah, yeah you just it. did. <laughs> um, so this was kind of not not that comfortable because I was running at a convention. Um, somehow they got the word poop and I don't know why and I, I'm not going to question it and <laughs> I was talking about diarrhea for a good five minutes after <laughs> someone had the word run as well so like <laughs> that was definitely interesting that, that that was definitely the most unexpected one that I didn't intend to do in a public setting yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, I'm just trying to think of the most amusing one no, I, I think that's probably the most amusing one, the, the one that I've not expected at all. Completely left that's, wing. Yeah, that's the thing about um, game games that are big enough to garner these audiences is once you release it, you really have no control over it anymore. You think you have control, but the fans will go, yeah, we'll take it from here. Oh, yeah. man. Like, honestly, I was always worried about this project because that is the potential for people to go really wild with the words both in good yeah. ways and not so nice ways but mm. uh, a lot of that is just about writing tone into book and hopefully people respect the tone that you're trying to set yeah so how did how did this project 
uh, start in combat? You said 2019 when the first book came out. So I guess it starts in the cinema when my partner and I, were, we were super tired of playing tabletop games where people always had to go off and be the lone wolf. And mm. when it's supposed to be running as a team and there's a team of five people and all of them are lone wolves, it becomes really hard to GM because <laughs> everyone yeah. goes off in their own different way. So we were talking about how we could make um, something that forced or encouraged players to stick together and actually work together. And we, I, I think the original first idea was that you had to put one body part in another body part. Like... Oh. Yeah, physically, physically, it was like a <laughs> finger in someone's belly button. Um, but we decided maybe that wasn't the route we wanted to go, um, and it just kind of spiraled out from there. It's we had pl- originally s- had the themes and ideas in another system called World of Darkness, played it as a bit of a splat book, and then found that dice weren't really cutting it, and so we moved to playing cards, and it took off. My first set of playtesters gave me a lot of hope and said, you know what, you should make this bigger. And we did, and we grew. And we advertised on Reddit, and we made a community on Discord, and we just kind of grew from there. So it's been a long journey, even before 2019, but the original book took me about a year to put together, which was and intense. And when you talk about books, this is like... Is that releases of it, or how does that work? So, let's see. So, like, there's... I'm not sure... No one else is going to be able to see this, but we've got a core rulebook here. So, it's about 200 and something pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And I did all the illustrations. I did most of the writing, probably about wow. 90%. It's super pretty. I was going to say, I really love the, the illustrations. Did you do all of them yourself? Yeah, I did, I did. Wow. Um, it was actually my debut project because before this I was like a dentist and mm-hmm. I guess this was like my sort of first forays into doing something professional and it yep. was definitely an experience. It taught me a lot of things about time management, about what my current limits were back then and how they have changed over the years and if you take a look at the very first iterations of the book, which I will have to bring in and show you guys one day, um, against the later versions and then this newest book, you'll sort of see my journey as an artist. Um, it's mm. changed a lot. Did you have to uh, like go back and redraw like a ton of characters and things that you drew previously? I wish I did. <laughs> 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 um, but honestly... I was working as like a one-man army for a long time and essentially if I went back and tried to do things over and over again I never would have gotten the product out because it would be constantly in this editing, revising and refining cycle because I think in my early days I met someone who said they'd been working on the same tabletop game for about 10 years and... They got into fights with people because people actually stole their name. They stole their ideas and it was just, they never got it finished. And so Mm. that was like a lesson to me is like, I have to get the product out as fast as I can. And Mm. there's sort of a little trick to the marketing of it is that you don't want to announce a project too early or you don't want to have 
um, to be hanging there and be constantly in development. Which is why I might be a little bit elusive and not talking about my future projects as much. <laughs> and how did you how did you find your first like customers? How did, like the the players? You mentioned you did play testing. So how was that? I originally built or built upon my friend network, and then I took the plunge and went into Reddit. And through um, the big plunge, yeah, it can be a nasty <laughs> place, but I've yeah. actually had pretty good responses from there and I basically had a really nice bit of cover art a little bit of art and just a good elevator pitch and that's Mm -hmm. all I needed to draw them in and for the first I don't know six months the server got to about 400 people um, and there was probably about 100 active talk uh, participants during that time it's died off since then just because Mm -hmm. I took a little bit more time to look after myself and my mental sanity and not Mm -hmm. basically living through both the European and American time zones and the Australian time zone all at once. Um, But it was quite an intense period. Like, there was a lot of people, there was a lot of good feedback. Um, I'm actually surprised how many people did a blind read-through of the game on camera, recorded it, and sent it to me. Wow. Well, Some of these... So that's, yeah, sorry, you. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just saying, I mean, that's something I wanted to ask you about is these communities because the, like, you know, all game dev communities are pretty passionate and then I've heard mm. the horror game community is pretty passionate. What's the RPG, tabletop RPG like? Um. Oh, boy. There's, it, it's very, I guess... It depends on if you're talking about tabletop RPGs as the hobby or you're talking about the designers. Um, as a hobby, it's mostly D and D people, and it's everyone's looking for more D and D stuff. I've had a couple of people ask if they can use my setting, but for D and D, and it's been like a bit of like I, I stared at the message for a good couple hours. Is like this is both flattering that they like my story, they like my art, but they want to run it on D and D, and it's just like, but that's like half my game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but. In general, the designers in the tabletop community are very passionate. Um, there's a lot of them, and it's a very low barrier to entry because all you need to be able to do is to write and be able to explain rules in a concise manner. So there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of very rapid responses, and there's also, like, I'm not sure if the I haven't gone so far into the video game dev industry yet, but there's a lot of very strong opinions people can have about Mm -hmm. certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's almost a popularity race, if that makes any sense, to get any games sold. Um, Like, some of the biggest selling ones will have some personality from a stream or something backing it. And that's why Mm -hmm. they get all their funding. It's... Sorry, I just had a little bit too much water and burping. Um, but <laughs> but very often, these games come and go. They disappear really fast, and there's not much playtesting that's been done there, which is interesting. Did you uh, do anything similar in terms of marketing? like, Or are you uh, not in the same mindset, let's say? Or are you... Um, so... I don't think, as you noticed, I'm not very loud and about myself when in person, mm-hmm. in public. Um, yeah. But I 
didn't want that to be re- the reason why people bought the game. Yep. So I very much used my art as leverage. I used pretty pictures to sucker people in. Um, some very vague and mysterious sounding tagline um, of mechanics and both plot to drag them in and then let them read a beta version or like the uh, um, the playtest document, just the first couple pages, just to get them hooked enough to make them continue reading. And then I suckered them into a one-shot and a lot of the players that in the early days where I've run the one-shots for are running their own campaigns now. So there are quite a few circles of people playing parsings on their own yeah right and that's the thing right is because uh, you said you didn't want to be loud with the marketing you lured them in with the pretty pictures but you also have a, a great product so like speaks for I itself. mean <laughs> it speaks for itself like you know look at a um, uh, to quote John before we're, we're 16 minutes in and I'm going to mention NFTs um, look at the <laughs> We can't avoid it. Doesn't but, um, take you long, does it? It doesn't take long. <laughs> but you know, that's that's uh, like okay. One, they're not pretty pictures. The the board apes and stuff like that. They're just they're just pictures. But um, they had all the marketing in the world, and they sold at the start for huge amounts of money. But now you're getting the news reports that people are only getting like 150 bucks for ones they bought for 400 thousand dollars a few months ago. Like. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not, there's not a, a, people aren't finding that good product behind it, you know? Like, you can't market a crappy product. See, I mm. actually think that NFTs could have been something decent. Yeah. But this happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. basically the word NFT is now tainted. And that's extremely tainted. If yeah. you go anything anywhere near um, NFTs, you're going to crash burn. And burn from the public um, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they got that entrepreneur mm. Gary V yeah. just backing it and in love with it. Gary V's one of those. He's like the Kanye West of uh, entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, if you're not in that circle, you're looking at him like, is everyone serious? Like, am, am I looking at the same person here? Like, but um, that was a huge uh, digress to say. You you do have a quality product behind there, mm. so like um. As you said, the arts broke for itself. Mm. Are, are there are there many other people uh, working with you? You mentioned you were, you were a one man team. How many other people do you have? It fluctuates every now and again. Um, originally, all of my alpha group were working with me. Um, they were helping me proofread, edit, and I guess go through all the mechanics and the design process. Though most of the writing and art was still my own. Um, currently, for this book i had two other writers helping me um so i did a little bit of an experiment to see how much i could take my hands off the wheel and still have the product come out so i had the two writers i had an additional artist that was supposed to help me um they never came through (laughs) and i've got another artist who has come through and they've been helping me fill in a couple of the blanks here and there but again it's these projects you do I, I mean even in game dev you still need the main developer to be pushing the product you need them to be mm. very active otherwise it doesn't do as well is this uh the and the artist who's helping you now is that the credited um unnamed ghost yes that was in the <laughs> document yeah right um f- for their own they're just not i i asked them and i tried to get their name in there multiple times but they've opted not to because they oh, yeah. they like being the ghost artist if that makes any sense 
Wow. Um, That's interesting. So it's, it's even more elusive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah We're yeah. just getting more and more so, circles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how does he, how would he leverage that? Like how would he, um, to find work? They <laughs> don't intend to. Uh, they're just a friend that I asked that I know have really good skills, uh, skills I admire, good time management, good communication, and they just went, yeah, no, I'd, I'm happy to help you, but I don't need a credit there. But I have roped them in to my other project, and I am getting them nice. credited. So, I, <laughs> so you, you've convinced them enough, you pushed them enough. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's awesome. Talk to us about the uh, the Indiegogo campaign, and and you mentioned also previously a Kickstarter campaign. So, what did you see as the 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 difference between doing it on both platforms, like positive, negative? So, Kickstarter is almost a household name amongst us geeks right now. Um, you can probably say that with much certainty that somewhere, somewhere, yeah. um, somewhere you've backed something on Kickstarter, and. It's got a brand awareness to it that everyone's already got that Kickstarter account. They know how to use it. It's quick and easy for them to say, yep, this is what I want to do. This is how I complain if you do something wrong. And this is (laughs) how I get my purchases through. Um, So it is very straightforward. There's less steps to it. But it also means that you can't customize it as much. Um, So the difference with Indiegogo... I actually think it's customizable. I can never say this word. How you can customize it is a lot better than Kickstarter. There's a lot more options. The tools are slightly better, but with that complexity, mean um, with that complexity comes a lot more chances for things to go wrong. So it's um, how do I say this? This is like giving someone. Oh, I want to say a brick and a hammer, but they're not the same thing. <laughs> it's like giving someone a really complex toy, but no instruction manual sometimes. Sure. So when backers came in, they didn't... I, I got this report very early on that they didn't know how to buy what they wanted. Because on the Indiegogo, we were allowed to basically list as many perks as we can and then put in um, items that you can buy afterwards, buy items that are connected to it. And obviously, unlike the game, I didn't play test this enough. I didn't send people through the gauntlet of how to buy this. And so people were trying to look for some things and they couldn't find what they wanted and they got a little bit frustrated. And I'm not sure if they ever came back. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas with Kickstarter, you've got all the options there. They know that that's the only things that they can get. And they just click it. There's no, no fuss. Um, but I, I do, yeah, I, I do think that Indiegogo technically is more uh, is superior because you can actually put in more images into everything and control where the images go. There's a lot more data analytics that go into it, but it may not have been the right choice. Just looking at your um the Indiegogo page now and just yeah, you're, you're right. There's a lot of images, but oh my god, it's pretty. I just want to. <laughs> I want a deck of cards just to just to look at them. Like I, <laughs> I'm going to embarrass you. I, th- I think you're probably one of my f- favorite artists I've just come across. Like, just your colors you pick and the the line work and I get that every now beautiful. and again, which is nice. That's awesome, dude. And the, you got some pin designs at the bottom. Mm. 
Um, yeah, really great. I do have some pins left from the first Kickstarter. If you want me to ever pass you some when we meet in person. Um, oh, I, yes, I, I will pay for them. I will pay for them, definitely. Um, How much you got them listed? You got, you got them for 10 bucks? I, I, will, I will give you 10 bucks for a pin. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, but I still have yet to receive the new decks yet because they haven't been printed. So I'm just like eagerly waiting because <coughs> I think... Yeah. Oh, I'm just seeing if I've got... He's looking around his room, everyone. Yes, I'm yeah. looking around my room. Um, how did you? Uh, yeah. How did you? How did you find out about? Um, or how did you learn about Kickstarter and that kind of stuff? Like, was that something that you just had to learn on your own, or was there someone that you that helped you out with uh, making it a successful campaign? So, there's a. As you know, online there's resources for everything, and you can pretty much find everything online, but. My publisher, Smunchy, actually helped me out a lot, and they got me connected into a community. They hooked me up, and I got to talk to a lot of different people about how they did things, how they, I guess, worked the system, and what they did to make things a success. And, again, it, it you'll find a lot of the information online but it's always different hearing it from someone that's actually been through the process and you get a slightly different insight i don't know it's like having someone mentor you versus reading a textbook if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah so this is like the original card designs um that we had and Mm -hmm. they're very different from the ones that got shipped for the previous campaign and very different now from the ones that are um, for this current Indiegogo. But that's just diverging. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of things in these communities, you do need an in. You do need to talk to people. And you do need to find someone that can help you around. Someone that's been through the ringer, if you know. Yeah, and, and this is... Uh, sorry, and you, you mentioned um, your your publisher, uh, Smunchy. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, uh, Smunchy. So, when did they come onto the project? Oh boy! So it was probably about halfway through when the book was done. I was getting really stressed out about mm-hmm. a lot of the process because there was a heap of unknowns that I didn't know exactly how to manage back then. Um, and it was all about trying to reach a larger audience and also not feeling like I had to do everything all on my own. Um, it's the same in video game publishing. Um, publishing, You sort of find the partner that you want so that you can focus on making the best product available. Um, and what was it about Smunchy? Um, that made me work with him. Yeah. Um, honestly, we had good conversations. Um, he was just someone that I clicked with. Um, at the start, mm. and they've definitely been a good friend and supportive, and I guess they sort of understood where I was coming from at that point in time. Yeah, sure. And they're based out in Austin, yeah, in the United States. Yeah, that's probably why my time zone shifted to the US for <laughs> quite a while. Yeah, but no, they're an incredible person. They've done a lot with their life, and they they honestly run so many different things. Oh, that's awesome. So, what is what did life look like on this project um, pre-publisher, and then what does the life look like 
on the publisher? Like, does your role change on the project or um, your day-to-day? Honestly, my day-to-day didn't change all that much. It was run a playtest, do some more art, do a little bit more writing, um, go through my Discord server, get all the feedback, start planning for when I'd go for release. Um, That was like pre-publisher. And then post-publisher, it was like, very much the same except for oh you should talk to this person oh you should talk to that person oh this is an idea how what do you think about it they threw out a lot of things that i hadn't considered um like mm. videos trailers things that I, some of the things i did some of the things i didn't do but they just gave me all the pieces that i needed to succeed i guess mm-hmm. and you have a really awesome trailer is that yeah. something that you got help with um both of them I did myself. So there's oh. one back in 2019, which I made my first attempt at animation. It was interesting, oh, wow. to say the <laughs> least. Um, I probably won't do it in that style again. Um, and the most recent one, I just took pieces of art from the book and just did slow um, stills to move it, really. So motion graphics or whatever it's called yeah. these days mm. um but honestly with the way my get my art works it, everything's already done in the layers um so uh let's see what i can pull up um it, it's already done all in layers um if that makes any sense so i just have to um cut and paste really so sure to get that like parallaxing effect yeah. and things like that um speaking of parallax i should just open that one up because that was the easiest one to do Um, again I don't think anyone else will be able to see this Uh, give me a couple seconds to get OBS up maybe while you're loading that up what's your kind of uh, do you have a process for brainstorming and coming up with like you know basically doing world building and designing Mm -hmm. do you have some, some kind of process there or is it just stuff that comes to your head my friends tell me that I should have more of a process. Um, <laughs> no process is a process. <laughs> it, it's somewhat chaotic. So yeah. usually what happens is that I'm going through and I'm thinking about things pretty intensely. And it's a lot of ideas that I've been cycling through over the years. Mm-hmm. So give me a set. Start virtual camera. Is that it? Will this get this? Um, so essentially it, it's very much um, I talk to people I get most of my ideas when I'm actually in the middle of creating um, mm. and it's all about being part of that process it's, it's all about starting something and just seeing where it takes off um, which mm. definitely means that is a bit haphazard at times until I go mm-hmm. back and refine it um, but most of the time I get ideas on the bus on while I'm traveling. When I'm driving and I can't write anything down, or when I'm trying to sleep at, like, I don't know, 3, 4 a.m. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I, I can't... It doesn't want to let me actually go through and show my my camera. I don't know why. That's okay. Or whatever. That's okay. okay. I'll show you guys later. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking at the... At the art, <clears throat> excuse me, on the um, Indiegogo page and, and and the pins and it's such a. I was trying to think of how to like describe your style because like on the surface it looks somewhat 
um, like simple, but simple in the way of like accessible. And then you look at it, like I only just noticed the ink or I'm guessing that's the tattoo ink inside all the, the diamond spades, clubs, heart symbols. Cause I was going to ask, Oh, what's the liquid in the, yeah. in this little round jar? And I was like, okay, it's probably tattoo ink. And then I've noticed it's in all the other symbols. <laughs> so it's like this layered simple that just makes up this full image. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're, I, I when I first started out, I did a lot of comics and I learned mm. how important it is to be able to, lead the focus of the viewer so what i like to do is i like to start off with big block shapes i like to have this very very wide idea of what it is so that when you're looking at it at a distance um you sort of know what it is so in in the case of these suits um you know it's a heart you know it's a spade you know it's whatever but the trick is to add in enough detail that people start actually peering at it and they start spending time thinking about what the hell you've done yeah. Uh, which you you obviously um, fallen for my trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been lured. Yeah. I got lured. Yeah. Um, it's just so. Yeah. It's just so. And even the liquid, it's not just like stationary. It's got to flow to mm. it. And, but um, sorry, yeah, go on. Um, but yeah, it's all about I, I guess telling a story within the page. You're sort of seeing, um, you're seeing where things come from, where things go, and you get it gets you thinking about what actually was intended. Yeah, it's really great. So, in traditional uh, game dev fashion, it sounds like you did a, a lateral move over into game dev because you said you used to be a dentist. Yeah. Um, were you doing art, you know, before dentistry, and or did you start it after, or how did you get your start in all this? Um. I guess I wanted. I guess I found deviant and art at a very young age, at in year eleven, year twelve, and I found something called OCTs, and these are like original character tournaments. So, a whole bunch of artists would get their own creations, and they pit them against each other in comic tournaments, and that's what got me into doing art. For many many years, I wasn't very good, <laughs> and. I went into university, I got involved with a group called the Cardians, which is like a tabletop role-playing group, and it was just filled with all these artists that I'd always been idolizing, idolizing, and I guess really wanting to be those people. And yeah, I guess I learned from them, I became friends with them, and I realized it wasn't impossible. And I've just been doing art ever since then, slowly teaching myself while um, studying dentistry and then around oh, what was it 2018 2017 something like that um, I developed cataracts and I had surgery my vision wasn't the same and I just went you know what life's too short I'm gonna do what mm -hmm. I love do what I want and I started actually doing art a little bit more seriously like trying to learn, trying to get better. And I did parslings as a way of keeping myself, um, what is it, accountable in the fact mm -hmm. that I wouldn't redo a piece. I'd use it as a record of my growth and I'd use it to compare from when I first started the project to when I very, to when I ended the project. And mm -hmm. you'll see that there's actually a range in quality of the pieces and that some pieces are definitely more eye-catching than others. 
And right. those pieces are probably the lighter pieces. Sure. It's a really so, good it's a really good process of uh wanting to improve setting a idea or project up essentially of uh you know and using that as a way of improving mm. and and having that uh what's the word having the the discipline i guess to not go back and you know like having a having a, an end goal of i want to get here and it doesn't matter if the early stuff that i do aren't the best um i'll improve and this will be the demonstration of of my improvement that's a really cool cool way of uh mm. of going about you know taking something seriously yeah mm. i mean do you guys have a similar process like with your work uh, <laughs> i would say i mean I, this that kind of sounds like to me like a game jam and we've spoken about this on the podcast before where you set a deadline of something that's you know uh, say two weeks, three weeks from. I mean, it's probably a bit of a smaller, you know, mm-hmm. uh, process. But uh, we're going to make a small demo of this kind of game and in this genre over the next three weeks, and it forces you to uh, learn new things in that, you know, in that three-week sprint, let's say, and also just not over overcook it let's say you know <laughs> you kind of simplify things and do as 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 lean as possible um and you get something out there and you also improve your skills at the same time so it sounds quite similar to that mm. albeit yeah. yours is a, a larger scale <laughs> yeah and and you followed through <laughs> yeah that's, that's right big, that's, that's a big thing, thing. <laughs> that's the big difference uh, yeah the the because the game jam um the trap and you know uh our friends at blue moon games they did it well you know where they did the mm. two week game jam one week two week game jam these adelaide developers and very limited mechanics and managed to put a game out just instantly and got the recognition they needed for it now they go back uh into the cave and work on a on another one and didn't go didn't catch the whiff of that one thing and go, you know what, let's, let's develop this. Let's spend the next five, 10 years developing this one project. See, that's you know? me. I like my big projects <laughs> and I work like a madman to get them done. And that's the thing. You work like a madman to get them yeah. done. Yeah, what is the key to that? What is the key to being a madman? Yeah. Well, um, one, not needing to go outside Two, being allergic to sunlight. <laughs> uh, no, it's honestly, I don't know. Like, the honest word is I don't know why I get into these little manic moments where I am super, super productive, but I get a little bit of a high every time I complete something. It's like Mm -hmm. a breath of fresh air. It's like I've achieved something, and I just break down the project into um, very small little parts. So each illustration is a victory because I've gone Mm -hmm. through it. Mm -hmm. I've done it i can show it off to people and get that little bit of a high of where i've shown people what i worked um worked on what i've done and get people's appreciation of the hard work that i put in and that's usually what gets me through the project that's like a key to uh project management it's uh you know breaking it down here's a huge (laughs) mammoth task let's break it down into smaller bits and tackle the small bits and then it'll grow into the larger the larger thing do you do you celebrate your wins um usually with a bit of like a can of coke or something 
cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I do, I do. Like, us- what I used to do is I used to post a lot um, just to my friends, post on servers. I've been doing that a little bit less just because I'm trying to keep things under wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also part of the marketing plan is where what I get to do is I can skew up like a year's worth of progress and then just slowly eke it out over months and get those little highs when I need them. And mm-hmm. the recognition, obviously, the likes, retweets, the comments, the people saying, oh, this is pretty. Um, that's very much what I'm doing. I'm just basically saving them away for a rainy day for when I'm feeling a little bit down, when I need a little bit of a pick-me-up, I'm going to post something. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. That's a, I mean, it sounds like you got a, a good, healthy mindset slash release for yourself. Like you, you figured out how your system works. Like most of us artists don't figure that out. We, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's pretty bad. Like take you know, on, artists are, take huh? on that. Uh, what is it like the you know the the sad uh, starving artist? You know that yeah, of like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate everything I make. Like. <laughs> And like, I, I just show it out of like, if I ever do show um, things, it'll be out of like, it'll be like, did you see that? Did you see that backflip? Cause I'm not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same way I feel about my tabletop stories. Like if someone asks me, oh, what's this funniest moment? I struggle to retell it because it's mm-hmm. a moment, you know, yeah. like it, yeah. it's in those moments that I shared with those specific people. And I've chosen to share with those specific people. Um, it's not the intent for me to retell what they enjoyed, you know? Mm. Mm. But art is something like, yeah, this is for me. I don't really care if you like it or not, but I like it. I'm proud of it. I want you to see it. Mm -hmm. So how did you, like, um, to get a little deep, how did you kind of develop this mindset? Was this always from the get-go before art, or did you have to learn this to... I was Whatever, protect yourself. I was raised by Asian parents and they're lovely <laughs> at times. But to, in order to get through the piles and piles and piles of math problems I did, I had to set my little victories. Oh, I did this in 5 seconds. I did this in 4 seconds. I didn't even think about it. And that's sort of where I got the high of actually completing something because my parents mm would be happy with me for a while. Um, I'd be happy with myself. It felt like I achieved something. And that's where I built up that discipline uh, through math, apparently. Mm. There's something to that. There's, uh, cause you know, uh, you having, as you said, Asian parents, Costa <laughs> being Greek, me being Italian. I think we all come from that, the immigrant, um, the immigrant I was, I was going to say the immigrant mindset, yeah. which is incredibly hardworking, mm. you know, like any kind of victory you have, you, you could have stop a, a meteor hitting the earth and they're going to be like, oh, okay, what'd you do today? <laughs> What's next? Very much so. Like, it's just like constant stream of achievement that you have to have with these kinds of parents. Like, they're lovely. Mm, yeah. They're amazing people. But... God, I wish as a kid they'd let up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So what's what's in the, what's in the pipeline next? Um, I really want to know. What can you say and what can't you say? 
Well, what won't you say? I won't say a lot of things. No, I'm kidding. Um, so the next <laughs> thing I'm working on is yet another deck building tabletop. Uh, not, not tabletop. Deck building video game um, called mm. Fox and Shadow, which I believe our mutual friend John is doing some music for me. Uh, Ooh, I have heard awesome. it mentioned Fox and Shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm also going to maybe do another tabletop RPG on the side just to sort of cross-promote, have it set in the same world, and basically awesome. have a middle <laughs> material between Parslings and Fox and Shadow so that I get all the people that enjoyed my work in Parslings coming over to Fox and Shadow. And it's just all about creating those funnels and, I guess, cro- maybe sending people back to Parslings' way um, just to sort of get them... I guess loving everything I do and always coming back for more. Mm. So are you building almost in the same universe? Are you kind of building onto the same uh, IP? Um, so with the the video game and the tabletop that I'll be doing, they're in the same universe. I haven't mm-hmm. confirmed this with my writers, so they may wring my neck later on. <laughs> um, but the link between Parslings and these these other worlds is that it's using a very similar game engine. So mm. technically not Parslings, but using very similar gameplay mechanics. Yeah, and yep, yep. I guess I'm trying to convert the people that liked my gameplay mechanics, like my art, into a new mm. story. Mm. What, what's it? What's it been like? working so you you mentioned a video game mm. what's it been like uh or if 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 you've i don't know what stage you're at in development but what's it been like working on that versus working on the tabletop you know the challenges that you've found is there like mm. yeah so big differences since i'm not a programmer i can't immediately say hey guys let's play test this right away um and <laughs> oh no this doesn't work Let's do a quick pivot. <laughs> um, so a lot of it has been kind of learning to work in a larger team and making sure that mm-hmm. I'm being responsible and not trying to take over the um, other people's roles, giving people time to finish what they're doing and letting them be the masters of whatever they're the masters of, um, if that makes any sense. Because... Mm. Um, in some other video game projects that I was doing, um, namely Parsling's Avarice, I found that I struggled to let go of control, if that makes any sense, because technically it was yeah. based on my IP, and I was giving creative crowd control to someone else, and there was a bit of friction there. So ultimately, we did stop that project because um, we couldn't. I guess we could work, we could get along as friends, but as co-workers or me working for them, I was constantly wanting more documentation, more bits and pieces done before I started working, and that caused issues when I had to pivot and iterate, and I was a lot younger back then, a year or two, Um, so the stances have changed, but it was also a lot of learning growth. Um... Mm. I forgot what the original question was. Um, <laughs> D- uh, differences between the video game and the and the I, tabletop, but it, it does sound like you've 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 learned from your previous experiences and taken that on board, mm. working in a larger team. Yeah, 
I think since video games is very much a visual medium and a medium that needs movement, I've been having to upskill into animation. And also, mm. there's just so much work to do. I can't do it all on my own. I can't do every single art asset. Mm. And it just means that I have to work with people and I have to also accommodate their workflows. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have and we I've spoke we've spoken to someone before around like consistency of working across multi, with multiple artists. Mm. How do you how have you found to kind of tackle that? So in our game it's a bit easier because we've technically got three artists, technically. Um but one of those artists is also acting as our narrative lead. Um, so mm-hmm. what the narrative lead is offering is a lot of sketches, a lot of baseline sketches for um, our environmental artists to work with, giving us ideas, giving us feedback. And in the end, right now I'm acting as creative lead. So I do get the final say, but I've sort of gone with, let's try get a prototype out. Let's see what we're doing and see how we can unify things. And the main thing is not for everything to be completely consistent across everything, but consistent in comparison to each other. So mm-hmm. we've got a bit of a 3D pipeline with our environments, um, 2D work by myself, and that's gelling those styles together is something that we're still working on. And it's definitely an interesting process. Is the video game an RPG as well? It's. Have you heard of Slay the Spire? No, I haven't. Oh, I think so. Slay the Spire. I'm going to look this up. It sounds. That it does was, sound familiar, but. So it's one of. Oh, uh, yeah. <coughs> yeah. It's a card game, yeah, yeah. So it's a deck building roguelike. So you sort of you Ooh. have a turn based battle where your moves are listed on cards. You use those cards to beat up the enemy. And then you continue on. You don't recover HP. And if you die, you die for good. So it's oh, okay. one of those games. And it's something that I've still got to get around to actually announcing properly. Um, but it's an in- interesting genre in that progression is there, but it isn't there, if, if you know what it means. It's very much mm. built for the generation of flicking through apps flipping through phones you want a short game that you can start and finish in a sitting and then enjoy again later on mm. so this is mobile game um, or? it's still on steam uh, we if we get lucky if we manage to play a card right we'll try push it to the steam um to the switch but it's still very much um designed for the pc yeah right and is it like uh I'm probably getting into d- details, but is it like procedurally generated stuff in there as well, or um, procedurally generated? As in, we've re- we're going to be writing out all the events and all the possible outcomes, and then randomly recombining them in together. So yep. yes, but I, I guess it depends on your definition of procedurally generated. Yeah, I guess there's differences between mm. between it. I mean, you can have con- complete randomness, but pseudo randomness. Mm. Probably close mm. to pseudo randomness. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, one way we like to, the way we like to round this out is um, asking, I guess, you know, what have you, 
what what's been the big lesson you've learned in this process and like if there's one thing you could share from your experience to someone listening who's you know looking at creating their own kind of tabletop rpg or just could learn from your experience as a as a developer um what would that be as an artist as well (laughs) as an artist yeah um always take feedback from people around you um it's you can make something for yourself but in the end if it doesn't reach other people you're not going to get any conversions of anything you're not going to get accolades Mm. you're not going to get people um enjoying your work and you're not going to grow that is the probably the most important part Every time someone gives you feedback, you don't always have to um, treat them as 100% correct, but you should take on what they're saying, break it down, and see if it's worth taking on board. So you always listen, but it doesn't mean that you always have to do what people say, if that makes any Mm. sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Another artist we had on uh, like two years ago said something similar the the idea of getting feedback but yeah and his was saying like not getting bogged down by if they don't like something like don't let that get to you mm, it, so that's it is, yeah. it's like a very much a different thing to saying oh i hate your work this this boy looks like a girl to saying mm. okay i don't this person's portraying very feminine this is why if it is um you can do this to make them more, look more masculine they're very two different yeah, sure. types of feedback, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And usually if they, if they break it down into detail, they're doing it because they care in their own sort exactly. of way. Because if they didn't care, they'd be like, yeah, it looks fine. And, and, just- and, and, and to your point of how you take that feedback on, if that's your intended outcome as the designer or as the artist, then, you know, you know whether it's... The feedback is understanding whether it's meeting the intended expectation or or not Mm. and how it's being perceived by others. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to get defensive about it. You take it on, say, thank you for your time. I very much appreciate it. Could you give me some more pointers about this or I don't quite understand? Treat everything as a learning experience in the end. Mm. 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 That's a good point, yeah. And where can can people find you and parcelings and... How can they find out more? Um, so they can find out more at Twitter, um, on Twitter at Parslings, um, or find me personally on Twitter at Blue2Days. Um, or you can simply search up Paper Cactus Game without the S on Twitter because there's a word limit on how long these names can be. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't have a proper plug just yet. I'm just floating and I'm very hard to find, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, 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 elusive. Yeah. Actually, we, we didn't even get into that. Just, to, just quickly. So, Paper Cactus Games, was that like something you set up to make parcelings? It's something that I set up to make Fox and Shadow, the next game, which I don't think I've actually mentioned. Oh, no, I've mentioned the name. Um, so... Mm. Parsons was made way before that, and Paper Cactus Games is the new entity which I'm going to be using going forward. Um, it was just sure. like brand identity, um, and also an identity for people that want to work with me or my team. Mm. Yada yada yada. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like way to find you. And if anyone uh, sees you at one of the events, pick up one of. Uh showing to the camera one of your uh, business cards they are super pretty have you 
even that alone of just having a have you huh? figured out the puzzle yet the part pu- well i've been looking at the <laughs> uh the numbers and the letters how the the numbers and letters are backwards uh, well, you've been waiting a while with all <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> Let me. Yeah, my attention span is shocking. <laughs> uh, let me know if you ever figure it out. Uh, I just want to see how long it takes people. I um, <laughs> I'm gonna go put this in front of a mirror. Actually, this is a mirror, isn't it? Uh, is that a mirror? Oh, it's not focused. <laughs> Cluster, can you read it? Is there anything in there? Lead. Lead is no, no, no. That's his name. That's oh. his name. We want the blue oh, stuff right no, here. It's so oh, blurred. That way too, way too uh, blurry. I am going to go to my bathroom and I'm going to look this in the mirror because I think it's backwards. My brain tells me it's something backwards, but I'm not sure. Or is it upside down? Or maybe it's all, everything. Oh, my God. Get one of his business cards. If you see Leo, shake him down for a business card. Oh, there's a QR code as well. Yeah. Uh, How did I miss this? I, I've had this in my room on, on my counter. I've got a ton of business cards. Yours is the only one that I just leave here because I just love the art so much and I haven't even looked at it properly. <laughs> this is what I was saying about having so many layers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is going to drive me nuts. Yeah. I have to figure this out. All right. Well, <laughs> hopefully you eventually do. Hopefully I didn't make it too hard. I'll see I'll see you at the, uh, the next unwind and then I'll, yeah. if I, um, so there's, if I figure there's it out. There's five of them to collect. Five, five of these yes. cards? From the five different people or all from, from you? different people. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. That's, you know, that is, that's just taking it to the next level. That's taking, yeah, instilling the, the game design and the game mechanics all the way to the business cards. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Yeah. Uh, all righty, Leo. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. And um, we'll see everyone soon for Cafe Bullions. Alrighty. Alrighty. See you.